0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 9, 15-28 through called Our Eternal Inheritance.
1: In the case of a will... Reading from the NIV verse 16, it's necessary to prove the death of someone who made it. So maybe you've been the recipient of uh, perhaps you had a relative pass away and they divvied up some inheritance and maybe you got a part of that. And maybe you knew the person and there was a close relationship with them or maybe they were a distant relative, you didn't even know about them, and all of a sudden, you know, some something comes your way. Let's just say some money comes your way. That That's a nice little surprise if that happens, but it means all the more if you know the person who left it to you. Amen? Because now you know that they wanted you to have this because of their love for you. And this is the story of our salvation, is that our God so loved us that not only did he purchase our salvation but he wants to give us everything and we know our first parents messed it up right they they had all of this beauty these beautiful conditions they were told just don't touch that one tree (laughs) and and we know what happened right they blew it and we've been reaping the whirlwind of that sin for a long long time and so Jesus Christ is the mediator and the testator, if you will. He's the one who died for our sins, and he's also the executor of the will. And it's as if he says, Father, I want them to have everything that you've given me. And his inheritance, interestingly enough, is, at, is us. Do you know that the son Uh, it's, it's pictured in Psalm chapter two, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. The son Christ is given us as his inheritance. And the way that that got purchased was through his blood. And that's where the writer is going next. He says, therefore, even the first covenant, now speaking of the old covenant, verse 18 was not inaugurated without blood For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people, this is back in Exodus 24, if you're taking notes, uh, to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and the goats with water and scarlet wool, which is, by the way, not mentioned in Exodus 24, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. And this is what he said. He said, this is the blood of the covenant. Which God commanded you in Matthew twenty six twenty eight for your notes, Jesus very similar word says, "This is the blood, this is my blood of the covenant." Matthew twenty six twenty eight. Now the new which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. So write down Matthew twenty six twenty eight, and right there maybe in your margin with Hebrews nine twenty, the first covenant was inaugurated with blood. We can see what, whose blood it was. It was the blood of calves and goats and so forth and the blood of bulls. That blood, we learn in Hebrews 10 verse four, it was impossible for it to take away sin. And so that's why the people under the first covenant only saw the promise from a distance. Moses saw it from a distance. David saw it from a distance. They had some prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, right, in the Psalms and Isaiah and other places, but they didn't see the full fulfillment of it. Abraham saw it from a distance. We'll learn that in Hebrews chapter 11. But nonetheless, he believed in the Lord and he was looking forward to the Messiah as we now look back to the Messiah, And the promise of the new covenant is retroactive. For everyone who lived before Jesus died, that one sacrifice is retroactive. That is, it pays for all the past sins leading up to the time that Jesus died on the cross and all the sins that would be committed post the cross and resurrection, amen? So if you ever had a question about, well, what's the significance of an animal sacrifice? Maybe it had some temporary reprieve for people. How did Moses get saved? Abraham get saved? The same way we do, they looked forward to the cross or to the Messiah. We look back. That's why the cross of Jesus Christ is the pivotal moment or event in world history. And really his life has dated the calendar of the world. And so in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle 21 and all the vessels of the ministry with the blood. If you go back to Exodus 24, 4 through 8, and you don't have to look there now because it, it's pretty much um, quoted here in, by the, the the writer of Hebrews, it's not a pretty sight, uh, some people, when there's any blood, and I, I'm not—I'm not meaning to gross you out, but here's where we are in the Bible. So I'm just going to say it to you. Maybe the maybe any kind of blood that's shed freaks you out, and, and you don't want anything to do with it. And if you get a little cut, you know you're you're ready to pass. Or somebody else is bleeding, you know it's the end. Well, here, can you imagine being part of this group? And Moses takes the blood of an animal and sprinkles it on you. And, and literally, this is what happens. You had to wear the blood of that animal. You were literally covered with the blood. And some people look at this in our modern age, and even people who are leaders of other religions, and they say, that's a slaughterhouse religion, that Old Testament stuff. And and Jesus on the cross, dying on the cross, shedding his blood, taking that brutal beating, as we saw, uh, you know, depicted in movies over the years, some more graphic than others, right? And people say, that's terrible. It's It's repulsive. In fact, in the Roman mind, they didn't even want to hear the word crucifixion spoken at dinner parties. No, 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 no. We don't talk about crosses. We don't talk about people dying on crosses. That's the worst conversation piece. That is the way criminals are executed in Rome. They hang you on a cross and you die. And it's not a pretty scene. And the old covenant is filled with blood. And you have to imagine over the course of Israel's history, from the time it was implemented until the time of Christ, it's hard to imagine how many animals must have died under this covenant and how much blood was shed. And by the way, the requirement was not just that you nick your finger or you nick a part of an animal and a little blood falls and that's sufficient. Whenever you hear about the blood It's about a death. A death must take place. So Christ had to die on the cross, not just shed some blood, but he literally had to give his life up. That's the imagery of the will. A will is not enforced until the death of the testator. And that's the imagery of the covenant as well. And so if, for example, if someone was going to leave you Let's say you had an aunt and she was gonna leave you a large amount of money and you were just waiting. You can't rush it. And if you decide to rush it, that aunt might write you out of the will. (laughs) If you call every week, she's still breathing. (laughs) That's probably not a good career move. Some years ago, uh, Paris Hilton was supposed to inherit fortunes from her family's Hilton Hotel business. And she was up to some no good. I, I don't know what she's doing today, but she was not living a lifestyle that was pleasing to the founder of the Hilton Hotel business. And they, he wrote her out of it and uh, decided to give what I recall uh, as $2.4 billion to charity. And I always wish that someone would think of living truth, you know, when they're <laughs> wanting to be so benevolent, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so... In that case, someone lost out. But here's the deal. Whenever someone would write something like this, like a last will and testament, it's only kicking in when they die. And the new covenant only kicked in when Christ died. Prior to his death, and we would add his resurrection, the new covenant had not been inaugurated. Everybody was still living with the consequences of a system that could never fully take away sin. The blood of bulls and goats, Hebrews 10, 4, couldn't take away David's sin, Moses' sin, Solomon's sin. Anybody you want to think about, it wasn't sufficient. It was only either temporary or symbolic. But when Christ came as the mediator of a new covenant, everything changed. I want to show you three tenses of his appearing. In Hebrews 9.11, it says, when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come. That's his first coming, Hebrews 9.11. Skip down to verse 24. But into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us is his current ministry. You could say verse 11 speaks of his incarnation and his work of redemption. Verse 24 is his current ministry to us. Skipping down to verse 28. He will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin. He appeared, he's appearing for us, and he will appear again. Amen? Amen. These You could say these are the three tenses of Christ's appearing work. He came on the scene to do this work for us. And according to the law, Hebrews 9.22, one may almost say, and we'll explain that in a second, all things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, or there is no remission of sin. Now, why does the writer say one may almost say? You look at the Old Testament sacrificial system, and we, we've talked about it, Right? sacrifice after sacrifice you read through leviticus and specific requirements and how to do it and what animal and all of this and
0: on and on it goes you'll hear more from pastor michael in a moment would you please consider supporting walk
1: in truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least five dollars a month As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. Welcome to Walk in Truth. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. That's how I showed my anger. Not in words, but in You can't have me. Mm -hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com.
0: We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth.
1: Verse 11 speaks of his incarnation and his work of redemption. Verse 24 is his current ministry to us. Skipping down to verse 28 he will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin. He appeared, he's appearing for us, and he will appear again, amen? These, you could say these are the three tenses of Christ's appearing work. He came on the scene to do this work for us. And according to the law, Hebrews 9.22, one may almost say, and we'll explain that in a second, all things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, or there is no remission of sin. Now, why does the writer say one may almost say? You look at the Old Testament sacrificial system, and we, we've talked about it, right? Sacrifice after sacrifice. You read through Leviticus and specific requirements on how to do it, and what animal, and all of this, and on and on it goes. But Leviticus 5.11 is one verse to write down, and here's what it says. It says, if he, a poor person, Leviticus 5.11 is not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he who sinned shall bring for his offering one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a sin offering. He shall put no oil in it, nor shall he put frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. And so the old covenant allowed, if you were poor and you couldn't afford an animal, you could offer a grain offering. This is why some writers would argue that the Old Testament sacrificial system is symbolic because how could a grain or flour offering cleanse me if uh, the blood has to happen, if a death needs to happen? And that's why some would say here, this, this is a hint that th- we're talking about a symbolic system. But God allowed for someone who was poor to do things in this way, a non-blood offering for sin. But generally speaking, the norm was an animal had to die, a sacrifice had to be made. And I want you to make a direct application to your own life. You and I are purified by the blood of Christ. You are not a spectator here. You're not sitting in the stands learning theology Unless the blood of Christ has covered you, you have no forgiveness of your sin. You see, even though the the blood is a symbol for his death, and that's specifically what the writer's saying, it wouldn't be sufficient if Christ just shed a little bit of blood. He had to die in our stead. Yet you and I are purified by his blood, nothing but the blood of Jesus in rapid fire, Ephesians 1.7, seven says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Acts 20.28 20, says, he purchased us with his own blood. Ephesians 2 says these words, now in Christ Jesus, verse 13, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 1, verse 18 says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold, from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Revelation 1 5 says, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. There's many scriptures I could give you. Uh, I'll give you one more. 1 Peter 1 verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, By the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. 1 Peter 1 2. And so, all over the New Testament, this reference once again to blood, blood, blood. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. 1 John 1 7. All over the Bible. We have this idea that without the intervening work of Christ, specifically his sacrificial death and resurrection, I'm under the judgment of God. And so because I'm in Christ, that sacrifice has been applied to me. We were talking in the prayer room uh, before the service and, and we were talking about the great exchange of the cross Christ, who knew no sin became sin for us, whatever that fully means, I don't know that I fully understand it. But he who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And here's what happened, the great exchange of the cross, his righteousness comes to us and our sin goes to him. This is the great exchange. And I'll tell you what, it's pretty good to be on our side of it. Because what happened was he took the brunt Treated as if he had committed our collective sins of all humanity of all time. Can you imagine the sinless, spotless son of God who never even knew separation from his father or what that might even feel like, taking upon himself the sin and the muck and the mire of collective humanity? Just this room It would be an ugly scene if we listed all of our sins laid on him. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why? Because God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit also loved the world that he gave and he gave and he gave. Therefore, 23, 23, It was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. Now, scholars would say that the heavenly things can't be heaven. Heaven doesn't need to be cleansed. What needs to be cleansed is me. (laughs) And here's the deal. If I'm going to end up in heaven... And we all know that one day there'll be new heavens and a new earth. And it sure seems like the permanent home we will have is a physical new earth. And that's for another sermon. But if we die right now prior to the finality of all things, which we'll talk about in a moment, we go to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. How can we be in the presence of God? How can we go into the Holy of Holies? I mean, I know you look in the mirror every day. I do. Sometimes I kind of like what I see. Oftentimes I'm like, oh boy. (laughs) Amen. Anybody else? Like, oh Lord, help me. Right? I've been a Christian over three decades and that's my regular prayer. Help me. (laughs) I know who I am. I know how frail and so forth I can be. What is amazing in verse 23 is that the cleansing has happened in my life. I'm now acceptable in the beloved. I now have a clean conscience, that's 914. I now have the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to my account simply by placing faith in him. And that's why when I die, I'll be with the Lord. I don't need an additional cleansing. I've been cleansed from my sin. Amen? You don't have to walk around under condemnation because there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. You don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to live with uncertainty. And that's what the writer's been trying to say. Don't go back to that system. That system has nothing for you. It's been fulfilled. Don't go back to the shadow. Trust in the substance.
0: You've been listening to Our Internal Inheritance, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 9, 15 through 28. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Radio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station. If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well,
1: maybe as you listen to the book of Hebrews and you learn more and more about the new covenant, you're thinking, well, you know what? If I'm forgiven, if Jesus fulfilled the law, then do I need to care about the law? For example, the Ten Commandments, or for that matter, any other law? Well, one thing that we need to realize is that we serve now the King in the kingdom of God. We follow the commandments of the King. And First John tells us that His commandments are not burdensome. In fact, they're the joy and delight of our hearts. You see, you are saved by grace, but grace is the root. Good works are the fruit. And if there's no good works coming out, the question is, are you born again? Is the Holy Spirit residing in you? Mm -hmm. So no believer is going to say, well, I'm saved by grace, so then I can just do what I want. Paul addresses that in Romans 6, and he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? (laughs) Certainly not. While there is plenty of grace, more than sufficient amounts of grace to cover all of our sin and indeed cleanse our sin. Grace is never an excuse to commit sin. Grace teaches us, the book of Titus says, to say no to ungodliness. And so it's not an either or. We're saved by grace, yes, but we're sanctified, empowered to serve the King. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth. We're excited that you're aboard. Hey, if you're brand new to the broadcast, welcome aboard. We've been encouraging you to tell a friend and uh, perhaps become a partner of Walk in Truth. Hey, for the price of a cup of coffee, five bucks, ten bucks, uh Maybe a couple of burritos at a drive through place. You could help us walk through some open doors in other radio markets. And that's why we bring it up, because we want to reach as many people as possible. Hey, if you want to find out more, go to walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click on Donate. We'll see you right here, Lord
0: willing, tomorrow. Just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast to reach more people like you with the hope of Jesus. And now we offer the Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your donation. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 15 through 28, called Our Eternal Inheritance. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walking Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.